Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show Welcome back everybody How's everybody feeling? I've missed you all I've missed doing the show Uh, As you know I am uh, Recovering from back surgery Microdiscectomy I believe is the proper Enunciation Had a really bad herniation in my back Had to get it surgically repaired A couple weeks out now You know for the first week you're not allowed to really sit Prolonged periods of time so Couldn't really do the show And then week two Playing a little safe still a little sore So now we're like three and a half weeks out so I feel I feel good enough to come back And listen let me let me start it by saying The real is back Okay I've spent these last couple weeks Really paying attention to sports Sports world, sports media, commentating, sports podcasts, uh, sports YouTube, all that. And uh, I'm sick of it. <laughs> I'm sick of it. I feel like we exist in a time and place where people aren't being genuine. They're not being honest. They're not looking at reality. We're in this fantasy world where fantasy sports and stats and uh, immediate reactions rule over logic. That's where we are. Well, me, I'm a realist. I'm a guy that likes to look past the superficial icing on the cake. Okay, because you can see numbers. We can see big numbers. I'm like, oh, my God. But when you look a little deeper, not as impressive. You want an example? All right, I'll tell you what I mean. You'll have people that will go crazy for Kobe's 60-point game in his last ever NBA game. Because all they're going to look at is the 60. Right? And they're going to say, I can't believe he did that at that age. Da, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. But me, I say it was a cool moment. But the feat itself wasn't really an unbelievable feat because... He took like a gazillion shots. (laughs) And it was obvious that the entire Lakers team was like, hey, Kobe, shoot it every time. We don't want the ball. Go out there, shoot it, put up as many points as you can. I send off to you. So, yeah, he got 60 points. Like, he's Kobe. Like, he's going to score points because he's a really good basketball player, one of the greatest of all time. Even at that age, he could shoot. So if he's, you know, in a good rhythm, it gets warm, it gets to shoot 75 shots. Yeah, yeah, he's going to get 60. So yes, it's a really cool moment. I love that it happened for him, but I'm not going to sit back and say, how is it possible that he was able to put up 60? Well, it's, it's, it's shoot every time and you can. So that's that's why I'm here. That's my place. This whole this whole time I've been laid up sitting back just trying to recover. I've learned in my life both professionally and personally where my where I fit, where my value is to this world. And when it comes to this, when it comes to this podcast, the sports stuff, the real is back. I am the real. I am the injection injection of truth into the marketplace. That's what I bring. That's my value. Welcome back, Cyber Family. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. This is Sometimes I'd Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally. 
So normally we would start off with some quick hits, quick hits, but we're not going to do that today. Today we're getting right into the meat and potatoes. I'm going to tell you why. For two reasons. Number one, I've been going for a long time. I got some things to say. And number two, uh, still not 100% comfortable sitting in this chair. <laughs> Back is still a little tender, right? A little tender. So I'm not trying to be here for too long. But I need to get these sports takes out, right? So let's start off. Let's start off with uh with some hate. <laughs> so some people are gonna call this hate. I'm gonna call it being real and being honest and putting things into its proper perspective. So of course we're gonna start with LeBron James because this season he is chasing down the all-time scoring record uh, currently held by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar which it currently sits at 38,387 points. LeBron is closing in on it, closing in on it fast. We all anticipate that this season he's going to achieve that, that, that record. And the consensus is, or a major thought is, if he gets that, then he for sure ends the conversation over who's the GOAT. He becomes the GOAT. Because, quote unquote, he's not even a scorer, and somehow he's the all time leading scorer. Again, take a moment, step back, appreciate this accomplishment for what it actually is. Is it an accomplishment? Yes, but it's not the accomplishment you think it is. It's not the stat you think it is. It's not the marvel you think it is. You're looking at the wrong thing. If you think LeBron is better than Jordan... And he has to achieve this record to solidify it. Icing on the cake. Hands downs. Got it. No no doubt about it. I would say this. You're wrong. This record, LeBron James getting this scoring record, is not a an accomplishment of his ability as a basketball player or his ability as a scorer. What it is, it's an achievement in longevity and consistency. LeBron James is great because he's been insanely consistent from the moment he entered the NBA till now, 20 years later. He's been unbelievably consistent. You don't look at his numbers and see peaks and valleys. You see, whoop, right across the line, almost same numbers every year. Consistent. And the other marvel that he's been able to play this long. At this consistent of a level. That's what this achievement says. That's what the scoring record shows. Because I'm going to be honest with you. When I think about is he better than Jordan? No. If he gets the record, does he surpass Jordan? No. And you're going to ask why. But he's got more points or rebounds, blah, 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 blah. Because I'll say this. LeBron James is currently playing in year 20. Michael Jordan played 15 years. Two of those years were played at 38 and 39. An old, some would say, washed Michael Jordan. Right? If Michael Jordan had continued playing into year 20, the same way LeBron has, here's what the numbers show. Let me, let me break this down for you. Michael Jordan... In his last two years, um, averaged about 20 points a game. He was an older man. He was old, blah, blah, blah. He played 60 games each of those years. 
if if Michael Jordan continued that pace, so let's say not at his peak when he's averaging 30 plus points a game, high 20s, like, no, let's go his worst. 20 points a game, 60 games a year for an additional five years. Michael Jordan would have retired with 40,692 points. 40,692 points, which means Michael Jordan continuing the pace that he set when he was with the Wizards, if he had continued to play to year 20, at year 20 when he retired, he would have 40,692 points. Which means that would be the all-time record. That would be the all-time leading score. Which means LeBron in year 20 isn't catching that number. Which means LeBron would still have to play more years than Jordan to catch Jordan's numbers. What's remarkable is we both know Jordan couldn't have played that long. Jordan didn't take care of his body the way LeBron does. Jordan didn't, he didn't have that longevity that LeBron has. And that's where LeBron deserves the praise and the credit and the adoration. And the greatness of LeBron is not, is not that he's some great scorer. It's that how for 20 years can you be this consistently good? LeBron at his best has never done anything that you feel like Jordan couldn't do at his best. And in fact, Jordan at his best, look up their best years. Look up their best years and compare them. LeBron doesn't touch Jordan's best. He doesn't. LeBron still doesn't have as many championships. And you can give me the nonsense, oh, look at the teams, blah, 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 blah. Look who we had to play. Yeah, whatever. You only can be judged on who you play against. You can't trash Jordan for his level of competition because you want to praise someone else. Because in Jordan's era, those were the best teams. So if LeBron is so much better than Jordan, it wasn't like LeBron or Miami was playing with some bums. You don't. So you think they should have lost to the Mavericks in the finals? No. Do you think they should have lost to the Spurs in the finals? No. Do you think that Cleveland team who was so good that they could come back from 3-1 should have lost that many times in the finals? Because you told me how great they were when they came back from 3-1 and that made him the greatest ever because he was able to do that. But why couldn't he win more games? I think he won, what, one finals game in the next two finals? Like, come on now. You can't pick and choose. So don't make it seem like LeBron had that first 2007 Cavs team for every finals run. He didn't. And let's be honest, against against Miami, uh, Jimmy Butler was the star of that finals. And if there was ever a time where you felt like a losing player could be MVP, that would be it. Because Miami gets swept by a record margin if Jimmy Butler's not in that series. He kept them competitive in that series. I know you're going to say, well, what about LeBron on the Cavs? Like against... No, against... Golden State, like, you lost, like, convincing, like, not close, (laughs) you know what I mean, like, it wasn't like, no, it's it's different, so I, I think, again, yes, praise the guy for achieving the all-time scoring leader, Uh, it's a remarkable feat, but it's a longevity award at this point, 
It's a longevity thing at this point. LeBron's not getting this number because he's some dynamic scorer who puts up insane numbers and is just unguardable. Like, he's putting up this because it's 20 years in. Not to mention, that's exactly why Kareem has the record, because Kareem played so many years. Michael Jordan put up 32,000 in less years. Like, it took LeBron over 100 games more to get to pass Jordan. LeBron passed Jordan in all-time scoring lists, and it took him 100 more games to do so, to get to that same number. That lets you know that Jordan was an impressive score. LeBron James is just going to outlast everybody. LeBron James is going to rack up stats and move up the rankings, not because of what he's doing, but simply because he's consistent and he's got longevity and he's just going to keep going. And not many guys in the world, in the history of the sport, can last as long and be as consistent as LeBron is able to be. And that's, I think, his superpower. And that's what I think we should be praising him for. And that's what he deserves respect for. And we don't need to have this false conversation about, does him getting the scoring record now make him the greatest of all time? No. No. Now, if you want to talk about greatest athlete of all time, you got a real argument. Because being available and consistent and doing it at that level for that long, that's impressive. That's insane. That's what that's what I appreciate. That's what I'm going to take away from LeBron's career is the idea of, hey, longevity. The next thing I want to talk about, uh, it's a real, real quick, real quick thing. Um, I came in here and I, I trashed Kenny Pickett. From day one, from draft prep <laughs> all the way up until the draft itself, training camp, preseason, when he went in as a starter, I trashed him. And I said, Kenny Pickett's trash. The last two weeks, what I've realized about Kenny Pickett is two things. Number one, I'm right. Kenny Pickett is not very good. If you want to just talk, if you're just evaluating skill and talent, an ability below average in all of those categories, below average. And what he needs is he needs the world around him to be perfect. If you watch the way they play, all short routes, all close stuff, all out routes that are timing-based to where we don't need you to drive the ball. You just got to throw it early. The guy's there. If he's not incomplete, don't worry about it. Be safe. Play it safe. Now, I know he's a rookie. But he played four years of college. He's coming out as an older. He's coming out with experience. It's not like, and he's coming from a system that was a pro style system. He he should he don't need you don't need to baby walk him. You know what I mean. He can do it, but he needs. He's a lot like Tim Tebow in the sense where the defense has to be lights out to give them a chance because he's not going to put up a lot of points. There's going to be some games you're going to have to win it 13 to 10, 16, 13, 10, 7. Like, you're just going to have to, like, that's what you got to do. He also needs the offensive line to protect and give him a clean pocket. He needs the receivers to make, how many times this year have you seen George Pickens make an unbelievable sideline catch, an unbelievable back shoulder catch, an unbelievable, like, this is what they have to do. They have to. They can't. There's no other way to do it. He needs that. 
He needs Najee Harris to be an absolute animal and monster to take the pressure off so that they could use play action. That's what he needs. But what I also, on top of that, because I'm right, but on top of that, what I realized was what the appeal and and love for Kenny Pickett is. And what it is, he's got this attitude about him, this this belief, this overachiever, kind of like a Rocky type feeling about him where it's, I know I'm not great, but damn it, I'm, I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to fight. I'm going to do, I'm going to put my, I'll do whatever I have. He's gritty. He's tough. He's determined. He's confident. I I get it. He's a real blue collar guy, less talented than the rest. He's probably never going to be the most talented quarterback on the field in any game that he plays. But he's he he's gritty. He's got determination and and he's got he's got a fire in him. I get it. I get it. I wouldn't draft him. I wouldn't start him. That wouldn't that's not my guy. But I get why a team would fall in love with him and I get why the media would fall in love with him and and it's kind of like we you root for that guy. The 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 overachiever. That's what he is. You root for that guy. And I find myself I found myself a couple times in the last few weeks being like, "Wow, like he's getting it done." But you missed the playoffs cuz Kenny Pickett's your quarterback. And that defense is was playing phenomenal for him. And you weren't putting up points to help. It's not looking good for the future. <laughs> That's just what it is. So let's get into um this is this is this is gonna be a show, I tell you that. God, when I look at my this is my show notes. When I look at my notes, man, it's I don't know where to go next. I got so much. Listen, let's get back into the hate. <laughs> hate time. Okay, so look, I didn't come in, uh, I didn't do a show after the New Year and after the Peach Bowl and after the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, I didn't do a show. I wanted to, I thought about it, but like I said, I was still a little uncomfortable uh, to be out in Trash Can Studios. So I felt like, let me not let me not push it. But I had a lot of thoughts, man. Um, so why don't we get into why don't we get into the uh, a little recap of the national championship game, which, by the way, was Georgia versus TCU. And we all know Georgia smoked the boots. They smoked them frog legs. They cooked them 65 to seven. It was it was never close. There was never a moment in that game where I thought, oh, it's going to be close. It's going to be a tough game. I actually, I, I went into the week thinking, I, I'm rooting for TCU, but I fully expect Georgia to win and, and probably smoke them. And I even said to my wife after the first drive, I said, actually, no, before the game, before the game, I said, I said, Georgia is going to be up by 35 at halftime. I said, this game's not going to be close. Georgia's going to be up by like 35 by the half and easily get up to that number two. 
So exact quote, I swear to you, I'm not lying. My exact quote was, Georgia's going to be up by 35 at the half, and it's going to be easy. That's what I said. And my wife, you know, she don't really care. She don't really follow sports like that. She's not really, she just lets me talk because she knows I, I just be talking like she's, <laughs> I be talking like I'm on the podcast as I'm watching the games. So she just lets me go. So she didn't really say nothing. But in my brain, I'm like, oh, man, I should probably tweet that because I believe it. Um, but you know, and that's what happened. And I'll tell you why I thought that here's, here was my thought going into the game. I'll, let's take it all the way back to the college football playoff. And I, I tweeted this, uh, before the, um, the two playoff games, I said, you praise Michigan for what they did against Ohio state. And yet you think Ohio state is lesser because of what happened to them to Michigan. And I said, well, if you think Ohio State is going to lose because they lost to Michigan, so they can't beat Georgia, obviously they're going to get smoked by Georgia. Then why do you think if that team is not good enough to play with Georgia, then why do you think Michigan's all of a sudden great because they beat that team? Do you get what I'm saying? It's like if if you're going to trash Ohio State because look at what Michigan did to them, but then say and then praise Michigan for look what they did to Ohio State. It's like, whoa, but Ohio State's not good. That's why you just... See what I'm, the real is back. That's what I'm saying about be real, be honest. Here's what happened. You overvalued Michigan because you know that Ohio State is really good, damn good. And so you said, man, if Michigan won by that much and smoked them and dominated Ohio State, whoa. TCU, watch out. But what you didn't realize was that Ohio State-Michigan game, they didn't destroy, they didn't dominate Ohio State at all. They were down starting the second half. It was a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. That game was not about domination. That game was literally, as I said right after it, was about folding under the pressure. Ohio State felt the pressure of we can't lose again to Michigan. We can't. It was the bully who got some pushback. And was now not so confident. And you saw it. And I could say that because there is not a fan on this planet that thinks if the Ohio State that showed up against Georgia had played Michigan that day, that that game against Michigan would have been close. It's not a single one. If you watched the Michigan-Ohio State game and then watched the Ohio State-Georgia game, you can't tell me that you think those two teams are the same. You can't tell me that you didn't realize there was a different intensity. There was a different energy. There was a different determination in that Ohio State team against Georgia than it was against Michigan. Against Michigan, they played soft. They played scared. They played conservative. And against Georgia, they went out there and said, hey, we're trying to win this. And you saw it. And the results are the results. So you valued Michigan so high because you believed if they could dominate Ohio State, they'll, they're getting to the championship. Right? But then you have TCU comes in who says, hey, Michigan's not that great. Michigan's not that great. They're okay, but they're a one-trick pony. They run the ball. If they can dominate the run or get you to commit and sell out to stop the run, it opens up things over the top. That's what Ohio State did. They came in, they committed every, all of their resources to stopping the run, and they left a weak secondary in one-on-one coverage. 
Well, if you have a misstep, if you have one bad angle, now you got a 75-yard touchdown, which is all Michigan got that entire game was big play touchdowns. That's it. That's it because it was set up that way by their running game. Well, what TCU said was, we're not going to commit everybody. We're just going to stop you with our front. And they did. And when they did that, and then they scored some points, you saw Michigan get to a space where they're very uncomfortable. They're not built that way. And then on the other side, because you devalued Ohio State because they got blown out by Michigan, they must, they're overrated. When they went and competed against Georgia, you then devalued Georgia. Georgia's lucky to even get there. Georgia's lucky to win. So you didn't respect You didn't respect the level of competition, so you devalued Georgia. And because Michigan was elevated and TCU was able to beat Michigan, this is going to be a close game. But it was all because your perception was off. Georgia is great, but Ohio State is really good too. TCU doesn't have a receiver group like Ohio State. TCU doesn't have a quarterback like Ohio State. That's why the game wasn't close. TCU isn't half as good as Ohio State. Michigan, look at the roster, not half as good as Ohio State. So when you overvalue one because of a W and you look at the final number, but you're not paying attention to the real game, you're just looking at the number. So if Michigan dominates Ohio State, Ohio State's supposed to be great, that makes Michigan great. If TCU beats a great Michigan team, right, and Georgia struggles against that Ohio State team who did get dominated, who we think is a little overrated, that means TCU should be able to at least compete with Georgia. No, they can't. And that's what you saw. So don't listen to any of these media people who will say, the lights were too bright. Uh, you know, it was just a, the stage was too big for them. There's something that goes into being here before. Georgia was here last year. They did this before. No, it was nothing to do with that. Georgia has better players. Better players. <laughs> That's it. End of story. This is not the NFL where everyone, even on, even look, Chicago Bears have the number one pick. They're the worst team in the league. Them and Houston. Guess what? Those rosters, those guys were some of the best of the best out of college. This is college football. If I have better players, I'm going to win nine times out of ten. Now, what determines that is a road game sometimes. These are kids. Sometimes you get a little, you press a little bit, you try whatever. But better players win games all the time. Like, all the time. Georgia is superior to TCU in every way. I think the only player you probably take... If you, like, let's say you went position by position. Georgia wins every single matchup except maybe Quentin Johnson. Maybe the receiver you say, I would take him over every Georgia receiver. It's not guaranteed. Because I think you would probably take Brock Purdy over Quentin Johnson. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But every other position on the field, Georgia, you would take Georgia's player over TCU's. They're better in every way, and they showed it. And that's what happened when you get a mismatch. Now, I'm not saying TCU didn't deserve to be there. Of course they did. 
I'm not saying that don't like you should only have like you can't if you're a fan of football, you hope that TCU would be able to do something and compete a little and whatever, whatever. But look, man, Georgia just was superior in every way and they showed it. And after their loss, uh, after their near loss, I'm sorry, to Ohio State, after it being that close, them not playing well, I'm sure they said to themselves, hey, we got to do better. And they did, to their credit. And they came out, and they were focused, and they were lights out, and they dominated a team that they were better than. That's what happened. Don't overthink it. But sticking with college football, look, can I just throw this out there? As of the recording of this, which is on uh, on Wednesday at 11 a.m., C.J. Stroud has not officially declared for the draft. Now, as a fan, uh, a part of me feels like, hey, this is what happens in college. You have a guy for a couple years. He's really good. He goes to the NFL. The next guy comes up. It's kind of exciting to see who the next guy is going to be. Ohio State has um, a couple guys. They got Kyle McCord. Um, They got Devin Brown. And they got the uh, the Kincaid kid coming in as a freshman out of uh, Dakota, North Dakota, South Dakota. One of those. He's pretty good. So they got they got some options, right? So it's exciting to say, yo, who's going to be the next guy? And you watch him play and progress and see oh, how good can they be. It's kind of fun, right? It's kind of like a reset. But seeing as CJ Stroud has not officially declared, a part of me feels like he might come back. And why I feel that way is I think CJ Stroud, I think he's different. I think he's a different kind of guy. And I think when you listen to him after the Michigan game, when he talked about, you know, never winning a Big Ten championship, not winning, you know, not beating Michigan. I It felt like it bothered him. Do you know what I mean? It sounded like, like, damn, man. <laughs> like, I don't got no gold pants. I don't got no Big Ten championship. They went to the playoff and, and that game against Georgia, they were so close, man. So close. Like, he has to be debating it like, yeah, he, look, he should be the number one pick. I Yeah, he should be the number one pick. If you need a quarterback, now the Bears shouldn't take him. I'm going to get into that into a little bit what the Bears should do. But if I'm if I'm a team that needs a quarterback, that's the guy. That's the guy. There's no questions about him. The only question you have about C.J. Stroud is, is he as good as, as he looks, or is it just that he's got superior talent around him? And I would say, don't be stupid. Look at where the ball is put. Don't look at he completed a pass. Look at where was the ball thrown. It's always thrown on time, on target, in a great spot. Like, whether the receiver catches it or not, if I'm doing an out route and the ball is put on my numbers, it doesn't matter how good I am as a receiver. The quarterback put it exactly where he's supposed to put it. With Bryce Young, I know he's really good too. I haven't gotten into... Uh, draft evaluations yet. I'm I'm setting everything up now. But Bryce Young is really good too. But he's small. And now you have to question eh, is, you know, is his size, but you don't have you don't have none of that with CJ Stroud. And going into that game against Georgia, I I was saying like, man, I love CJ Stroud, but he does seem like he's 
he needs to show me a little bit of that. I'm, I'm, you know, that grittiness. He needs a little more of that. When things aren't really good, I'm still good. And he, and he showed that against Georgia. Because going into that last drive with like 54 seconds left, I said, "All just give me a chance. I said, if CJ can just get him down there and give him a chance at a field goal, like that's all I can ask for as a fan is just give me a chance. And when he made that run, uh, that 20-something yard run to get him in the field goal range, that was that was all I needed to see. That was my guy. That was That was the cherry on top to say, oh, yeah, everything that I thought is exactly what he is. Because he was put in a position where he had to show something a little extra, and he showed that little extra. And that was the first time he was in that situation, and he came through. But anyway, back to the point. Um, God, what was I even saying? Oh, CJ Stroud coming back. <laughs> I swear to you, I, I 100% forgot exactly what I was talking about. But I feel like a part of me feels like he... That 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 it's bothering him right now, that as he's trying to make this decision, maybe he just hasn't announced it and he's already made the decision, but he's just like, I don't care, like whatever. I do I, I actually have to announce it. I thought I was good to just go, but he might come back, man. And if he does, he's coming back with 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 one thing, well three things. He's coming back with two things. <laughs> he's coming back to beat Michigan. Number one, first and foremost, I'm beating Michigan, and number two would be to win a Big Ten title. And then after that, like, a national championship will be good. But if he comes back, I would favor them to win a national championship. Because the only question you're going to have going into next year is who's playing quarterback and how good can they be. So sticking with college football still, Jim Harbaugh is in some hot water with the NCAA. Apparently there's going to be some uh, violations leveled, levied, 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 levied. Levied? Levied. <laughs> I think that's the word I'm looking for. Maybe. I don't know. They're under some allegations, all right? Like, uh, Michigan was doing some sketchy stuff. Nothing real serious. Let's be honest. Everybody's cheating. Everybody's paying. I'm an Ohio State fan, and I see these kids rolling up in Bentleys and Mercedes and all that to the facility. Yeah, the, these players are getting paid by businesses and boosters and all this other stuff it's it's the wild west out there now so i'm not i'm not i'm not going to get on michigan for that right like hey do what you gotta do bro. i'm not mad at you but harbaugh is now talking to the nfl and interviewing for some jobs and talking about potential move to the nfl now my first thought was oh he's trying to leave because you know, these allegations are coming out and these, you know, there's going to be some penalties and he don't want to deal with that. So get out while you can. But then again, like I said, the real is back. I started thinking about the reality. And the reality is, I think why he's entertaining this idea of going to the NFL is because he knows what we know. As fans, we know. There's a ceiling on Michigan. Michigan doesn't have the recruiting power or the players to compete at the highest level. That's why they went to the playoff last year and got handled by Georgia. That's why they went to the playoff this year and got handled by TCU. It's why next year, if they go to the playoff, they'll get handled by whoever. Because Michigan doesn't have the talent to compete at the very top. They don't. It's not even a knock on them, but... Everyone knows their their path to winning a game 
run the ball, control the clock, wear the other team down, hit a big play on play action every once in a while, once or twice a game, and then when the other team's worn out, you just run the ball down their throat and you pile up points late. That's their path to win a game. We all know that. We all accept it. We all appreciate it. That's what they do. That's what they did against Ohio State. Run the ball. Keep pounding it. Keep pounding it. Keep pounding it. Throw the ball over the top every once in a while on play action. Get a big play here or there. And late in that game, the defense will be tired and worn out and beat up. And you will run over them. And you'll get a 70-yard run. And then an 80-yard run. And then you're up by two scores. And then it's game over. Because now the other team can't run the ball because they're down two scores, so they have to throw it. So they become one-dimensional, making it easier for your defense to make plays. That's their path. And if you if you disrupt that path to a win, like TCU did, you see your quarterback who, guess what? McCarthy, J.J. McCarthy, trash. Trash. He's not good. I've been trying to tell you all year. You've been trying to tell me how good he is. He's not good. And don't give me how young he is. I don't care. He's not good. You know when he, yo, I, I lied. You know when he's good? If a guy's wide open, like against Ohio State, he can make that throw. If he's wide open, like some of the plays against TCU, he can make that throw. But if he has to sit back there and actually like make a throw, no, he ain't no good. Two pick sixes, dummy. <laughs> What an idiot. <laughs> Look, there's nothing wrong with a pick six, right? You throw a pick six, it happens. But those interceptions were throwing it right to a guy. Those were plays where I don't have anyone wide open. Uh, I got to throw it somewhere. And you make a terrible decision. Not good. Yeah, you could promise. We'll be here next year. I promise. And the same result is going to happen. You have a ceiling. Do you want to know why? I'll tell you why. In 2020, they were 14th. They were ranked 14th in recruiting class. In 2021, 13th in recruiting class. In 2022, 12th in recruiting. And and this year and next year, 2023, 17th. 17th this year in recruiting. So over the last four years, 14, 13, 12, 17, that's it. You're trying now to compete against top 10 recruiting classes every single year. And most likely, if you get to the playoff, it's probably top five recruiting classes. You don't have the same level of talent. You don't. Let me, let me ask you a question. When's the next time you think Michigan will play Georgia and you'll favor Michigan? Maybe 10 years from now? Maybe? That's what I'm saying. That's the question I'm asking. They're not going to be favored for a very long time. If ever. Because you don't recruit on that level. Now. Also factoring you beat Ohio State. Uh, two times. Right. The last two years you beat Ohio State. Do you really think. As a fan. Do you really think you're going to beat Ohio State next year. Now I'm not saying they will or won't. I'm just saying. If you're a betting man. Would you bet Ohio State loses to Michigan three years in a row. Would you bet it? I wouldn't. I'm not saying it can't happen. Look, hear me out. I already gave them their respect due. I said the Big Ten goes through Michigan. I said Ohio State now has to become the hunter. They are no longer top dog in the Big Ten. I gave that to Michigan because until Ohio State beats them, hey, you got to kiss the ring. Back-to-back Big Ten champions, that's what it is. 
But what I will say is this. Would you favor Michigan next year? Do you really think they'll beat Ohio State for a third year in a row? So if you're a Jim Harbaugh, you know that. Hey, man, we beat Ohio State two years ago. We weren't supposed to, and we did. Unbelievable. And then last year, we go in there, and and they fall apart. Lucky us, right? Good for us. Because if you watch that Ohio State team against Georgia, they smoke Michigan. And that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought that's the team I was going to see. That was the fire I thought I was going to see. So next year, they're going to make some changes. Yeah, they'll have a new quarterback, but that could be a good thing. Maybe the because of the new quarterback, the offense will be a little different. You'll be running the ball a little more. Maybe that'll pick up. Right? Ryan Day is apparently not going to be calling plays anymore. So maybe it'll be a slightly different philosophy in how they play to make them a little more dynamic. Who knows? So if I'm Jim Harbaugh and I realize, man, I can get to the college football playoff every year. But I don't know if I'll ever have the level of talent needed to compete with those teams and really give myself a real chance to win. Which means you've basically he's accomplished all that he can. At Mich- this is as good as it gets. The best years he's going to have is beating Ohio State, winning the Big Ten, getting to the college football playoff, and losing or getting blown out in that first game and then going home. That's as good as it's going to get. So if you're a coach, do you think like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do that year after year. Year after year, I don't want to do that. Let me let me go back. Let me go back to the NFL where, you know, talent's a little more evenly distributed. You don't have to be necessarily like no team is going to come into our building and be far superior to us in terms of talent. Right like that. Again, that's that's the thing about college, man. Michigan is nowhere near the level of Georgia as far as talent. That's just the way it is. And so you're in order to win those games, kind of like TCU found out, in order to win those games, you're going to have to catch them on a bad day and you're going to have to have a special day yourself. And those don't happen often. It's not very often you're going to get an Ohio State Miami from 2002. Like that's so rare to see that. Because that Miami team was stacked, bro. <laughs> Listen, I'm an Ohio State fan and I felt like, yeah, they could win that game. And I was very confident. But, man, when you look at those rosters, Ohio State had no business being in that game. But they played, like, as perfect as they could play. They did. They were the absolute best they could be. And they were tough, and they were gritty, and they made critical plays. They didn't make mistakes. And when they did, you know, they luckily were able to make up for it. Like, I don't even know how it happened. But, again, that's so rare to see. And so I think Jim Harbaugh realizes what we do. His quarterback is not really good enough, and he hasn't done a good job of recruiting quarterbacks. That's the best one that they've recruited, and you see what that looks like. And they've reached the ceiling. They've reached the max. There's a ceiling on where they can go. And I think he knows that, and he says, well, I'm out of here. I don't want to stay here and just keep bumping my head against that ceiling. I'll go to the NFL. That's, my th- that's what I think. I can't sit here and say that that's a fact. <laughs> that's what I think. That's my real opinion. So Sean McVay is now apparently uh, questioning his future. 
Right? He's like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I need to take a break and reevaluate where I want to go going forward. Yeah, that's a bunch of hogwash. You know what it is? Sean McVay had a really tough year this year. It was hard. He had to really coach. He had to really deal with some stuff between injuries and his team not being good. And you know what it is? I believe that they're going to be over the cap starting next year. So they're going to have to make some real roster moves to free up some cap space just so they can make it under the cap. Right? And what you realize is they have no first round draft pick this year. Oh, boy. Because they gave it away in the trade for Stafford. And Stafford, what is he? Damaged goods. Is he ever going to come back and be the same? So you sold, you mortgaged your entire future for that Super Bowl. And guess what? You got it. Yes. Yes. We got it. But now, if you're looking at the future of the Rams, ooh, it looks pretty grim. You made some, some big contracts that they're going to blow up in your face. You're going to have to start making some roster cuts. You're going to have to start moving some guys to try to free up some space. This team is going to get really bad really fast. And I don't think Sean McVay wants to deal with it. I don't. I think he's got a Super Bowl. I think he says, if I step down right now, I could take a year off, go make a multiple millions of dollars working for TV. And then next year, there's going to be a new batch of coaches that get fired. And then I can go pick where I want to go. I could pick a whole new situation. I can get out of this bad one. And go pick a new one. That's all this is. That's all it is. We know that. He ain't mulling over it. He knows exactly what he's going to do. Step down. Right? Step down. Sit out a year. Work for Fox. Work on TV. Work for ESPN. Work for whoever. Do some commentating. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. This guy's pretty good. Da, 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 da. And then in a year, he's going to be the hot name on the coaching market. That's it. That's what he's going to do. I think, hey, man, if you could pull it off, great. I think it's kind of sleazy. Ugh. <laughs> but whatever. Do what you got to do. Another person mulling over their future is uh, Aaron Rodgers. Hey. Hey. Guess what? I said... Before the start of last season, trade Aaron Rodgers. I came in here for weeks saying, why can't you trade Aaron Rodgers? Because everyone that summer was saying, oh, the Packers can't let Aaron Rodgers go. They can't trade Aaron Rodgers. You don't let a generational talent like that just go out for nothing. Jordan Love's not ready. And I came in here and I said, why can't you? I said, what are you winning with Aaron Rodgers? If you're not winning with him, and you're not going to win without him, what's the difference? (laughs) What is it? Get you some draft picks and build your team, and worst case scenario, your team is trash, and you end up with the number one pick or a top five pick, and now you can either trade that to get more pieces, or you could use that to rebuild your franchise. And if best case scenario, Jordan Love proves to actually be really good, what a, what a, man, how great is this? We now start the clock over all over again with a really good player, a really good quarterback, and we keep things moving. Well, what do you know? Last year goes by, he loses in the playoffs again, you pick in the mid-20s, doesn't help you out at all, has no trade value, and you're not getting the best player you need to get at the positions you need to get it from, you're in no man's land. You come back this year, you end up making some moves, bada-bing, bada-boom, trade your receiver, and where are you at now? 
in the same spot. And now the national media is starting to question, well, do you consider bringing him back? Should he come back? If you're the Packers, do you want him to come back? Maybe this is it for Aaron. And it's like, guys, why are you? Hey, hey, I'm not crazy. I side with Belichick in the fact of trade him earlier rather than later. Because guess what? Right now, you're not getting the same value for Aaron Rodgers. If you wanted to trade Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers wanted to get traded, you're not getting the same value. Two reasons why. Number one, we just saw what happened and we know you don't want him and we all can see he's not the same guy. And number two, and more importantly, you had a whole year where a team went out and made a big, 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 big trade on an established veteran in Russell Wilson and it completely fell apart and failed. And there's not a single team on the planet that wants to be the next team to do that. So they're not going to give you all these picks for Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to do it. Because you know what? He might be great. But if it turns into a Russell Wilson situation, yeesh, we don't want that. Because Denver is royally screwed. You better hope Russell Wilson just had like a tough year transitioning to a new city and a new lifestyle. And, and maybe his girl at home ain't too happy about where they live in now. And da-da-da-da-da. And he just didn't have his mind right. You better hope he comes back next year on point, on target, and, and, and doesn't make that trade look so bad. Because as it stands right now, yeesh. <laughs> you ain't got no route to a brighter future. That's your guy. Hey, enjoy. Hope you get a coach that's able to change things around. And it could happen. It could happen. I'm not saying Russell Wilson's done. I'm not. I think this year is kind of an anomaly. I don't think he'll play this way next year. I think next year that team will be much closer to what you thought they could be this year. But I'm just saying, you you had the opportunity two years ago. He, it was the height of Aaron Rodgers' mania. He was doing all his ayahuasca, all his weirdo stuff. He wasn't sure if he wanted to sign an extension. You could have traded him then. The Broncos were offering you probably a greater package than what they gave up for Wilson. You could have been set. And instead, you gave him a guaranteed $150 million contract. And now, two years later, you've got no playoff wins. You have him losing to Jared Goff at home in a play and in situation. Even if they got into the playoffs, you could say they're dangerous because Aaron Rodgers, da 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 da. But Aaron Rodgers still now in what, 16 years? One Super Bowl appearance, one Super Bowl win. 16 years. That means 15 of his years, you ended up not in the Super Bowl. So why did you have to keep him? Because he can give you the belief you can make a Super Bowl? Okay. What are some people right now that believe Brock Purdy can get to the Super Bowl? So do you need Aaron Rodgers to be the guy to give you that hope? If he's not delivering, get rid of him. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Get rid of him. Move on. While he's at his highest value. Now, not such high value. I'm not saying I was right. But I was right. (laughs) Had you done what I said and traded him then, eh, you probably could have got two first-round picks and two second-round picks. For Aaron Rodgers two years ago? Come on, man. And like I said, even if he goes somewhere and wins the Super Bowl, so what? 
That's going to be one year. Look at the look at the Rams now. You think Detroit feels bad that like, oh man, we traded Stafford and you went somewhere else and won a Super Bowl. No, because guess what? The Lions are better than the Rams now. And the Lions going forward have a brighter future than the Rams do. So who cares if he goes and wins a Super Bowl the next year? Guess what? You're set up for the next 10. Big picture, people. It's so annoying. So while I'm speaking on picks and futures, let's talk about the Bears. The Bears got the number one pick. Let me start by saying this. If I was the GM of the Bears, if I'm coming in as GM, I don't know if they got, did they fire their GM? I don't know, whatever. If I'm the GM or I'm the incumbent GM, I am, I believe 100% in Justin Fields. I have not wavered one bit. I think this year he was reduced to just running the ball, but I think that's because if you be if you're honest with yourself, this Bears offense has nothing, nothing to help him. Nothing. A solid running game. Offensive line, trash, which hurts the running game. Trash offensive line. Receiving core, trash. I think they traded for Chase Claypool. I don't even think he plays anymore. I don't even know what happened to that guy. Trash receiving core. Now, if I'm the Bears, I say, look, Justin Fields had to run for his life this year because that was the best chance we had to win. That's the best chance we had for him to be successful. But you know what he gained in that? That confidence to say, yo, I could do something. I could play. I could play football. And I even said a couple weeks ago, I think what they're doing is brilliant. He's overthinking passing. He doesn't have the weapons to really have a great passing attack. So let's let him do whatever comes natural to him and just get out there and play and have success in any way you can get it to rebuild your confidence to say, oh, yeah, I am good at this game. And then off of that running, you will then now create some confidence when you go to throw the ball, create some confidence when, you know, that goes away. You still got the feeling of I'm the man. Look at what I could do. You're setting records. You're approaching records for, you know what I mean? Things that are forever. Right? You're building some status, some acclaim, some respect, all of that stuff. You're building up that confidence again. I thought that was a good plan. I thought it was the best plan you had to salvage what was there instead of make them go out there and throw the ball around to these scrubs and then lose all confidence and then you move off of them and then it's whatever. So with the number one pick, the Bears do not need a quarterback. I would trade back. Right? I would trade back. And what I would try to do is I would try to trade back and pick up a couple picks. Right? I mean, obviously, they're going to pick up a couple picks. But what you need, what you need is you need offensive line help and you need receiver help. And that would be my focus in this draft. I would try to trade back in the top 10 if possible and pick up a first and third, perhaps. Maybe a first and second if you really wanted to be like, yo, give me your first and second. You can get the quarterback of your dreams, right? And if C.J. Stroud comes out, there's going to be somebody willing to give up first and second, right? And then maybe a first next year, too. (laughs) That's what I would do. So now if you do that, you have that first-round pick. You have a first-round pick next year or whatever. And then you kind of do that. And then you focus on getting a, re- a receiver. And you focus on getting some offensive line help. I would get whatever, wherever you need the most help on that line, that's what you go after. Because if you protect him and you give him some weapons to throw to, man, 
the guy can play. And you can't just, you know, you can't just all out rush him because he's just going to run past you and go get 65 yards. So he already established that he can move. If you get him the weapons to be able to show you that he can throw too, defense is going to have a hard time guarding that guy. I expect a big year from Justin Fields next year, and I hope the Bears do right by him and start to build around him. That's what I hope they do. If they take a quarterback, they're stupid. Stupid. Speaking of teams that don't need a quarterback. um, Oof, man. Uh, how do I say this? Um, Give me my respect. How about that? <laughs> hey, guess what? Guess what? Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. You guys know, you guys know that I'm not stat guy. Okay. You know that I'm not stat guy. You know, I don't stats aren't everything to me. But what would you call a quarterback who was top 10 in yards, top 10 in touchdowns, uh, top 10 in terms of least interceptions and top 10 in quarterback rating? What would you call that quarterback? You'd call him top 10, right? You'd say that's a top 10 quarterback. You would say that, right? Hey, what would you say, uh, what would you call a quarterback who completed 65% through for 4,400 yards, 29 touchdowns, 7 picks, and had a 61 QBR, which was 5th in the league? You would call that quarterback, that's a good quarterback, right? That's a good quarterback. I know you would say that, and I'm saying it too. That's a good quarterback. That's Jared Goff. That's who it is. Jared Goff finished top 10 in every single quarterback category. Yeah. Yeah, he did. (laughs) He did. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Two years ago, the Rams made a trade for Stafford, and I said, kind of feels like you're trading the same for the same. I said, Jared Goff can win a Super Bowl. Do I think Jared Goff could have won the Super Bowl last year with the Rams as their quarterback? 100%. I'm not just saying it. I'm saying because Jared Goff got you to a Super Bowl. And Jared Goff was one overthrow in the back of the end zone away from beating Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Hey! (laughs) Jared Goff can play. That's all I ever said. All I ever said was, nah, man, Jared Goff is good. I don't care what you say. Until proven otherwise, Jared Goff is top 10 in yards, top 10 in touchdowns, top 10 in interceptions, and top 10 in QBR for the league. The guy is a top 10 quarterback. Ta-da! I don't care what you have to say. You have to acknowledge Jared Goff can play quarterback. This is what happens when you give him a coach who believes in him. And I think Dan Campbell really does believe in Jared Goff. I think Dan Campbell can relate to the idea of, hey, you're kind of like a cast off. Your team got rid of you. The Rams, they got rid of him. They bailed on him. Sean McVay bailed on him, said, I don't like this guy, and moved off him. Right? I think Dan Campbell could see that and relate to it. I think in Detroit, they have a good run game. I think they have a solid offensive line. I think they got a good receiving core. I think their defense, uh, it's not very good, but they're not that far away either. 
I think you got something good in Detroit, man. I think you do. And I see a lot of mock drafts and a lot of experts saying that they need to go out and get a quarterback. Why? Somebody explain to me who has a top 10 quarterback in every statistical category and says, we need to go get a rookie. We need a quarterback. You know what? Hold up. Hold up. I'm going to do it. I'm I'm pulling out my phone. This is unprofessional, but I don't care. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, okay. I had some <laughs> I had some alerts. I thought maybe they were going to tell me that uh CJ Stroud declared for the draft. And look, I'm not saying CJ Stroud shouldn't declare. Like, go ahead, man. You're about to be the number one pick. Go ahead and do it. Uh but you know. All right, so let's look at the top ten quarterbacks, okay? Uh what do we want to look at? What stat do we want to use to uh, you know what? Let's go QBR. Let's look at the top 10 in QBR and see which one of these would you say, we need to go out and get a new quarterback. This isn't the guy, even though he's putting up great numbers. Okay, Patrick Mahomes. Nah, you're not replacing him. Josh Allen, are you replacing him? Nah. Ooh, man. Uh. (laughs) You know what? Let's forget that stat. (laughs) This This is real time. This is funny because... I was about to make the case that you wouldn't replace anyone else in the top 10. And then when you look at QBR and you go, you got Tua, you got Jalen Hurts. I might replace Jalen Hurts. Then you got Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Jacoby Brissett, Lamar Jackson. Hey, man, you know, <laughs> QBR ain't everything. All right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it ain't really the the best metric. <laughs> All right. Let's... <laughs> Look, uh, the, <laughs> the point is, uh, you know, <laughs> let, let me look at, uh, let me look at a different stat. Let me try, uh, check out a different stat. Oh man, you still wouldn't, man, this year was kind of weak, huh? Not saying, not saying anything. Like, I'm just saying like for, man, like, yo, we're going we gonna to get into Dak Prescott next because I'm looking at his numbers because he comes up as 13th in touchdowns. That's terrible. It's terrible. Anyway, that's really funny. Listen, <laughs> that's funny. All right, so uh, you, I told you I'm not stat man. <laughs> so let me course correct, all right? Uh, sometimes a guy can get some top 10 stats and you would still be like, yeah, but that's just whatever. Uh, but Jared Goff uh, is different. Okay, here's why. Let's get serious. Let's get serious. I know I just uh, blew up my own argument. (laughs) This is what I get for trying to be stat guy. This is why they say, stay true to who you are. Don't try to be anybody else. Stay true to you. If I was true to me in that moment, I wouldn't have tried to use stats to prove my point. But what I will say is, look at the history. Jared Goff, if you look at his career trajectory, he is, there's no doubt that he's a good player. If I just showed you his raw numbers and said, just look at his number, do you think this guy's bad? You would say, no, it's not a bad quarterback. He's gotten to a Super Bowl, okay? Uh, he almost got Detroit to a playoff this year, um, you know, and they, they started off terrible. Uh, with no defense, I might add. Like, Detroit has no defense, and he was still able to run that offense to be so prolific that they were almost able to overcome that terrible defense. All I'm saying is the guy uh, ends up being top 10 
and and most major categories this year and it wasn't a fluke if you watched it you saw it i think most years he would grade out close to the the top 10 um i've always thought he was probably somewhere in the 10 to 15 range as far as best quarterbacks in the league i think he might move up i think he did some things this year that were uh super impressive um, and I just think that he deserves a little more respect than he gets. That's it. That, at the end of the day, all fun and games aside, like I think Jared Goff is vastly better than anyone gives him credit for. And I think he doesn't deserve to be sitting there right now hearing the national media talk about how Detroit should draft a quarterback. I don't think they need a quarterback. I don't think they should draft a quarterback. I think they need to build on that defense. And I think them, I think they have, they have the Rams number six pick. I think you go out there and you start building that defense. I do. I think you get yourself a top flight defensive tackle. No, because they got Aileen McNeil. Aileen McNeil, dude from NC State. He was, he's nice. But let's say you get like a Jalen Carter next to him. Woo! Ooh. And look, as much as I don't like Michigan, Aiden Hutchinson is legit off the edge. Let's say you get another edge rusher on the other side. Come on, man. You could be dangerous. You pick up a, a, a safety, a corner, or whatever. Like you could be, you could really do some damage. So they have two picks in the first round. They have six and eighteen, I believe. So I don't think they should waste any time trying to get a quarterback. I think what you need to do is you need to build around Jared Goff because that guy can get you to where you're trying to get to. That's a fact. I believe it. So I want to talk. There's two more things I want to talk about today. This episode is actually going longer than I thought it would. But there's two more things I want to talk about. One of them is not really near and dear to me. The other one is. So the first thing I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about the Cowboys. Not right I want to talk about the Cowboys later. Okay, I'll talk about them last because that's actually near and dear to my heart. Um, and I believe that they showed something against the... Uh, oh, I forgot two things. We're going to talk about the Cowboys. We're going we're to talk about three more things. Okay, I got three more topics and then I'll get at it. I promise you I won't hold you for too long. But there's three more things I want to talk about. Very pressing needs. The first thing I want to talk about is this. So the rumors are coming out that the Raiders want to get Tom Brady in the offseason. They want to get Tom Brady. That's their goal. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. But they want Tom Brady. I know what they're thinking. Josh McDaniel thinks, let me get my guy in here. So they're going to get rid of Derek Carr. Now, if you don't know, uh, Raider Honcho on YouTube of YouTube fame, that is my brother. He's an avid Raiders fan. He's been a Raiders fan his whole life. And on top of that, he loves Derek Carr. Roots for Derek Carr. Hart really likes him, really supports him. And so through him, I've kind of been hearing and seeing the backlash towards Derek Carr from Raiders fans. And I can just imagine that Raiders fans are thinking, here, I'll take Tom Brady over Derek Carr any day of the week. And so I started saying... I don't know if that's true. I don't know if right now Tom Brady's better than Derek Carr. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not saying that he's not better. Here's what I'm saying. Let me let me clarify it a little further. I don't think he's gonna make the difference you believe he will. Why? Because this isn't fantasy football. This isn't fantasy football. That's why. 
Because I think, in reality, Tom Brady is not going to make that much of a difference over Derek Carr for that team. So what I did was I said, let me see if I'm right or if I'm wrong. Let me see if there's anything that I could use to support this thought. This is just an idea. I think it's a bad idea. I think bringing in a 45-year-old Tom Brady is a worse idea than keeping the quarterback you have. Because in my brain, when I think about it, my first thought is, your problem's not offense. Right? If you're a Raiders fan, I don't, listen, I'm not in the the trenches like you, but I'm going to say just based off of what I see, the offense isn't the problem. So let's look at it this way. So I went back to the last five years and I got all of Tom Brady's numbers and I got Derek Carr's numbers. Here's what I found out. Over the last five years, Tom Brady is on average completing 65%. He aver- No, I'm sorry. Over the last five years, he's a 65% completion percentage quarterback. 65% over the last five years. He's averaging... 4,600 yards passing a year, 32 touchdowns, 10 interceptions with a 96 quarterback rating. That's Tom Brady. Pretty good. Good year for anybody, right? Over the last five years, Derek Carr is completing 66%, throwing for 4,100 yards, 23 touchdowns, 11 picks with a 95 quarterback rating. That means Tom Brady is one percentage point greater as a rating over Derek Carr now you would say well he's throwing for more yards and more touchdowns yes he is but here's what I would also say if you look at the last five years and you look at their defenses and how many points they were giving up and what they were ranked in points allowed because I don't care about yards allowed on defense right That don't matter to me how many yards you gave up on defense because if you ain't giving up points, then it don't matter. So in 2018, he was playing for the Patriots. They were ranked seventh in points allowed. In 2019, they were ranked first in points allowed. In 2020 with the Bucs, it was eighth. 2021, fifth. And this year, they're ranked 13th. So Tom Brady has played behind a defense that at worst was ranked 13th. So when you put up these numbers and your defense is ranked in the top 15 as far as points per game, you're going to win a bunch. Right? That's what you would think. Okay. Derek Carr in 2018 played for the 32nd ranked defense in terms of points per game allowed. That's dead last. In 2019, played for the 24th. In 2020, 30th. 2021, 26th, 2022, 26th, 26th ranked defense in points per game allowed. Derek Carr has never played for a defense in the top 20 in points per game allowed. The best year he ever had was this past year where his defense gave up 25 points a game. Still don't get it? Okay. So this year, the Buccaneers don't have a winning record. They were 13th on defense in points per game allowed, and they gave up 21 points a game. They only averaged 18 points a game on offense with Tom Brady, with Mike Evans. 
18 points. Their offense was terrible. And he threw the ball 733 times. Derek Carr threw the ball 502 times. And he had one less touchdown than Tom Brady this year. And guess what? Team averaged 23 points a game. But your defense was given up 25, ranked ranked 26 in the league. Guys, the Raiders' problem is not offense and who's playing quarterback. Did Derek Carr have a good year this year? No, not really. But the last five years, QB, QB, ranking, QB uh, rating of 94, 101, 101, 94. And then this year, he dropped down to an 86. Passing yards last year, 4,800 yards. This year, 35. But look, what do you, what do you think Tom Brady is going to come in and do with that off with that defense? You think Tom Brady's all of a sudden going to come in and do what he did in 2020? Win a Super Bowl? Like how? Giving up? The, Tom Brady's never played for a defense as bad as the Raiders are right now. I'm just going to tell you, if you look, if you want Tom Brady, great. Tom Brady is, what is he, is he going to fall off the cliff next year? Because we all acknowledge that he's old, right? We all acknowledge that this year, there was no magic. Tom Brady magic was gone this year. We admit that. We acknowledge that. At some point, Tom Brady's not going to be Tom Brady anymore. It's just the way life goes. Everyone says it. Every athlete says it. Everyone thinks it. I know. But look what he's doing now. Blah, blah, blah. That's because he plays quarterback and you can't touch the quarterback. But guess what? If Tom Brady gets rocked from the blind side. Let's not forget the, the Raiders don't have the best offensive line. He gets rocked from the blind side. It's over. I saw a clip of Brett Favre talking about how he got hit in a game in the last year and decided I'm done. <laughs> at that moment he decided I'm done he said he never looked back he never missed it never wanted it got hit and I'm done I think that'll happen to Tom I think Tom Brady can get knocked out of the sport so if I'm a Raiders fan am I really jumping for joy that we're about to get rid of our you know quarterback that could be there for the next eight years to bring in a guy that's going to be here for a year to play with this bad offensive line and this terrible defense and do what have to put up 45 points a game do you think he could do that do you think that team's capable do you even think Josh McDaniel's a good head coach what are you asking for I think it's a bad idea. I think it's a dumb idea. I think you're better off trying to trade Derek Carr. If you if you listen, if you need to move off Derek Carr, I don't think you should. I think there's far worse you could do than Derek Carr in this league. Far worse. So if you have to get rid of him, though, if you're just adamant you gotta get rid of him, trade him to a team who needs a quarterback who has a decent draft pick and see if you can get a draft pick for him. And then go the route of trying to draft yourself a quarterback who you can groom and bring into your system. Like this bringing Tom Brady thing, like Tom Brady's not going to answer your problems. Hey Raiders fans, Tom Brady's not answering your problems. That's just not going to happen. 
The last, oh, the second to last thing I want to talk about before we get to playoff picks and before we get to the Cowboys. I remember I said all year long, I said, I don't trust a single one of these teams in the NFC East. I don't trust one. The team that I chose to harp on the most was the New York Giants. Part of that is because personally, uh, my best friend is a Giants fan and we give each other crap all the time. Uh, and so a lot of it was <laughs> knowing that he's listening, uh, knowing that he's seeing my Instagram posts when I when I make picks and I'm picking against the Giants. And that was kind of fun for me. But a lot of it was I was looking at it and realizing this team's not good. They're not. They're not. And, and there's talks about uh, Brian Dayball, their head coach, being coach of the year. He's not. He's not. And all year I kept saying, I kept saying. So they started off six and one. Okay? Six and one. You you hear me, right? You you hear that. They won six out of their first seven games. They were six and one. And everyone said, Whoa, this team's good. And I said, uh uh-uh. uh. They're They're playing in games where they're getting some breaks. And I said, at some point, the luck runs out. And I even acknowledged maybe luck isn't the right word. But things were going their way. Right? Things were going their way. And I said, at some point, that's going to stop. And the reality is going to creep up. And you're going to be what you are. And over the next 10 games... After that 6-1 and one start, in the next 10 games, they were 3-6-1. and one. Nobody's going to give me my credit for saying at 6-1, this team's not very good. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all just things fall in the right way for you right now, but that'll level out. They finished the year 9-7-1. They started off 6-1. What other team can start six and one, win three of their last ten, and the coach be coach of the year? Where did where where what's happening? Am I crazy? This is what I mean when I say the real is back. This is what I say when I mean y'all need me to come in here and tell you the reality of the situation. They want to pretend like oh man, when you look at the totality. Oh, Giants won nine games. They weren't expected to win five. Nine games, that's pretty impressive. It's not impressive when you realize they won six of their first seven. And then fell off the cliff. You know what else isn't impressive? You know what else isn't impressive? Is the fact that they have exactly two wins against teams with winning records. Two. Two. (laughs) That's it. Two of their nine wins came against teams with the winning record. They lost all the other ones. Everyone else they beat. Losing teams. Terrible. Commanders. Terrible. Uh, uh... Houston, terrible. Tennessee, fell apart. 7-10. and ten. Like, they didn't beat winning teams. And then I remembered, oh, crap, that's right. 
When you win the division, you get a first place schedule. When you don't, you get a weaker schedule. Therefore, the hope is we wouldn't have teams dominating divisions every single year. So guess who won? The Cowboys. Guess who had the toughest schedule? You went 6-1 and one, and then 3-6-1 and one, your last 10. The team's not good. They're not. That's not the coach of the year. That team fell off. Fell off. You can make a greater case that Mike McCarthy for the Cowboys deserves coach of the year votes way over Dayball because he went 4-1 and one with his backup quarterback. And then when his starter came back, the starter's trash. <laughs> and they went 12 and 5. They didn't fall off a cliff. But you know what? Expectations. Again, because you decided that the Giants were no good and you decided they would only win three, four games. So when they win nine, you now say, whoa, I was wrong about them. No, you weren't. You're right about them. They're not good. They had a bunch of wins early on where they caught uh, a tip ball here, a fumble went there, a bunch of games where you say, oh, man, the ball's bouncing your way. That's what I said. The ball's bouncing your way. That rarely happens for an entire season. Usually you have streaks like that, runs like that, and then it all comes back to earth and you end up being right where you're supposed to be, about 500. I was right. <laughs> this is the real smack. This is the greatest example of, uh, of people not being honest and real about what the fact is. The fact is, if the Cowboys started 6-1 and one and then finished the season 3-6-1, season and one, you would be, and only beat two teams with a winning record, you would be in here the next day telling me how terrible they are. Oh, what a failure. Does McCarthy deserve to be fired? They're talking about McCarthy being fired after going back-to-back 12-5 and because he's losing a playoff game. There's talk of, if they lose to Tampa Bay, is Mike McCarthy's job in danger? Meanwhile, the Giants coach gets to go 6-1 and and then fall apart the last 10 games of the year, and he's being propped up for coach of the year simply because you didn't think they should win nine games. Well, when you win six, don't you readjust expectations? When they were 6-1, and one, was the expectation that they would end up with nine wins? No, it wasn't. They were competing for the division. So adjust your expectations. When the Cowboys went 4-1, and one, right? 4-1. and one. When they went, what, 3-0, and oh, I think it was? When they went with Cooper Rush? When they came into that, weren't they getting favored? They weren't. They weren't picked to lose those games simply because they had a backup quarterback. You adjusted expectations based off of what you were seeing. Oh, this backup quarterback can get the job done enough for them to give him a chance to win. Now we're going to judge him based on that, not based on the fact that he's simply a backup. Adjust your expectations. When you're 6-1 and one, and I come in and I say, this team's not very good. They're not good. I looked like I was crazy, but I wasn't crazy. I was just saying, hey, listen, your record at 6-1 and one, I don't expect you to end. I don't I don't I don't think you're going to get to 12 and 2. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're going to level off and that's what they did. 9 7 and 1. That's about what they are. 
And some of those early wins, the Tennessee win, dicey. The Jacksonville win, dicey. <laughs> right? The Baltimore win, woo, could have went either way. If you were watching those games, you could see a bounce here, bounce there. That game goes the other the, the other way. Now, listen, you won it, so credit to you. But don't make it seem like you were convincingly winning these games. They were close games. Look, don't worry. Don't worry, Giants fans. Guess what? Guess what? I don't think the Cowboys are winning the playoff game either. I don't think they're winning the playoff game. I told you this entire NFC East was frauds. One and done for every one of them. Now I'm fired up. We ending the show on a high note. Look, I just got the update from Bleacher Report. There's outside chatter that Cowboys and Chargers head coaches could be in trouble if their teams lose the wild card game. Mike McCarthy went 12-5, 4-1 with the backup quarterback, and they're going to fire him because he didn't beat Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay in the wild card game? Meanwhile, Brian Daywalk can go out there and lose by 100 points and still get coach of the year? I'm not the only one. I'm not crazy. Like, I'm not. Wally, I'm not crazy. <laughs> this is nuts. It's expectations. But you're not looking at it for reality. The reality is because you didn't expect the Giants to be good when they play decent, you're overpraising them and overvaluing what job he did because your expectations were garbage. But if you look at the team play, they're not impressive. All you're doing is saying they won. That's the better team. They won. That's the better team. No. No. Because you're not taking the Giants roster over most teams' rosters in the league. You're not. If, 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 all right, all right, all right, let's say, put it, Patrick Mahomes starts the year six and one. They finish three, six and one back into the playoffs. Are you excited? Does Andy Reid get coach of the year for the job he did? Stop it. Stop it. Dan Campbell doesn't get talked for coach of the year. Did you expect the Lions to be that close to the playoffs at all? Did you expect, if you want to talk about, oh, but look what happened with with Danny Dimes. Daniel Jones had a really good year. His year ain't nowhere close to Jared Goff. So should Dan Campbell get credit now? Should he get coach of the year? Because they got close to the playoffs. I'm pretty sure they finished with almost the same record. Was it 9 and 8? Were they 9 and 8? 8 and 9? One of those? A game away. Oh, a game difference. But you're not going to give Dan Campbell no love. Because you, for whatever reason, you know, the Giants are so good. Get out of here. Get out of my face. And don't even bring up that little weasel in, in, in Miami either. <laughs> Yo, their coach looks like such a weasel. Look, that dude again, another one, riding high. Brilliant coach to start the year, fell apart, backed into the playoffs. Talk about they didn't have the starting quarterback. Neither did Mike McCarthy. He went 4-1, and one, and you're ready to fire him if he doesn't win a playoff game on the road. Stop it. The real is back. I'm back now. Yeah, I'm back. You want more reality? Okay, let's get to reality. Dak Prescott's not good. Okay? I said it in 2016 when they were ready to just whoop, wipe Tony Romo away. Get him out of here. We got Dak Prescott. He's better. No, he's not. No, he's not. 
Dak Prescott is not better than Tony Romo. He's not. Would you like to know why? my first rule, I would say? You're comparing him to Tony Romo, who was not drafted. You're comparing a guy who was drafted, who was considered a draftable player. You're trying to compare him to a guy who was considered not draft worthy. That lets you know that Tony Romo is better than you want to give him credit for. Tony Romo's whole career, he was being compared to first round picks. The guy wasn't drafted. How good must you be to be undrafted? And then the only comparison you can make is compare me to guys that were in the top five draft picks. That means I'm pretty damn good. You understand what I'm saying? That would be like if you were looking at Patrick Beverly and comparing him to LeBron James. You only get compared to the best if you're pretty damn good. Dak Prescott's not being compared to any of the best quarterbacks in the league. None. None. Dak Prescott is a quarterback who, when he came into the league had Zeke Elliott, who was the best running back in the league for the first three years of his career, lights like dominant running back, offensive line, dominant offensive line. So he had great protection and a great running game. They were able to control the clock. Even back then as a rookie, if he had to throw it 30 plus times, eh, probably not going to win. So you ran the ball, you controlled the clock, you dominated the game that way. Fast forward all the way till now, it's the same thing. Make them throw it 30 plus times, eh, probably not going to win. <laughs> like, that's it. Ooh, my stomach. <laughs> Fired up. That's it. I've watched this team. I've watched every game from this team. I've watched every game that Dak Prescott played. Here is what was so remarkable about when... Uh, Cooper Rush was in there. And I said it then. I don't think Cooper Rush is better than Dak Prescott. I think the team views Cooper Rush appropriately. I think they put him in the correct category of here's what he is. Here's what he is not. We are not going to try to make him be something he is not. We are going to play within what we believe he can do. They believe for whatever reason Dak Prescott can do everything. He can't. He's a limited quarterback. He doesn't have the greatest arm. He doesn't have the greatest accuracy. He doesn't have he doesn't control the game. He's not that guy. Never was. There's a reason why he was sitting there for you in the fourth round. Because you love his intangibles, but when it comes to just pure playing ability, his ability to play quarterback, NFL quarterback, where you can't run it 25 times as the quarterback, he wasn't that. And if he was that, or if someone thought he could be that, he would have been drafted in the first two rounds. Guess what? Jalen Hurts, they believed, we think he could throw pretty good. That's why he went in the second round. Don't make it seem like, oh, no, uh, he was just a running quarterback in college, so that's why he went late. They didn't think he could, but they were wrong. No, they weren't wrong. They were, they were right. He's a fourth-round quarterback. If you if, if if the supporting cast around him is great, if at the at the everything's flowing right, if the defense is dominant and the running game is working, he can be good. The minute it's on him, when was the last time you saw Dak Prescott carry the Cowboys to a win? You never saw it. You don't. But now, how many times have you seen? Uh, I gotta do better. That's on me. I gotta do better. Yeah, dude, it's not it's not cool no more. 
You keep saying that and doing the same thing. What's he got, like an eight-game streak of throwing an interception? Come on, man. Who, who else? Like, as a fan, how many times do I got to watch this before I can just acknowledge, oh, he's not very good. They went, they went, here's what happened last week. Here's what happened against the, the commanders. And this, this is what, this is what bothers me the most. This is what bothers me the most. In that game against the commanders, they had the opportunity. There was a chance that if the Giants beat the Eagles and the Cowboys beat the commanders, they could be NFC East champions. There was a chance just a slight, hey, we just got to do what we got to do, and then we could have this. And the moment they came out of that game, I said, oh, they're, not, they're, they're gonna they're going to fold under the pressure. You saw it. It was evident. If you watch that game, for, for, for Turpin to doink that ball off his face mask on a punt return, like, what? For Dak Prescott to almost throw a pick, and then the very next play, throw a pick six to the same spot, like, what? 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 Who are you throwing it to? For the defense to give up the plays that they were giving up, it was almost as if either A, they didn't really want to be there or care about that game, or B, they were feeling the pressure and the heat and it felt like a playoff game and they folded. What do you think is going to happen in Tampa on Monday night where you're the only game in town? Hey, you watch playoff games all weekend. You're going to watch teams lose. You're going to watch teams win. You're going to watch teams fold. You're going to watch teams rise above. And now on Monday night, you have the whole weekend and the whole day leading up to the game, the building, the anticipation. You're going against Tom Brady on the road in the playoffs. This is his arena. This is what he loves to do. That's what you're facing. That's what you're going against. And you think, you me? You think I believe in the Cowboys? Hell no. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think Dak Prescott is going to play just like he played in Washington. I think they're going to put pressure on him. I think they're going to stop the run. I think Tampa Bay is going to say, let's stop the run and make Dak Prescott have to beat us from the pocket. And he cannot do that because that's not what he does. That's not what he's ever done in his life. Can he make throws? Sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> he can make some throws. He's a quarterback. He's been, he's, been, he's been an NFL quarterback since 2016. He's been working with the best quarterback coaches and trainers in the world. He's been practicing his craft. Yes, he's a better passer now than he was in 2016. Sure. Do I think he can consistently do it 35 times a game? Absolutely not. And it's because I've never seen it, but I've seen him try. And I've seen when it looks like he's pushing the ball, when he's forcing the ball, when he's aiming the ball. I've seen it. I've seen all I need to see. I've seen it. I don't think so. I think they fold. I think they fold. I think they lose. I think it's one and done again. I think you go into the offseason with the same questions. I think you go in with the same problems. And I think we're going to do the same thing. I think they keep the coach. And everyone says, I don't know if that's a good idea. And then I think they talk about moving Elliott. And I think they talk about getting a big-time receiver in there. But you know what they're not going to talk about? The elephant in the room. That quarterback is not the guy. That's what they won't say. That's what they won't talk about. That quarterback's not the guy. They paid him all that money. Everyone said, give him his money. Give him his money. Oh. 
And now you're seeing. It's not the guy. Now look, I'm a Cowboys fan. I hope and I pray that I'm wrong. I want them to make a run. I want them to win a Super Bowl so bad. So bad. I want it. But I'm a realist. I'm not going to go into the game like I did last year thinking they could make a run. I don't think they can. I've watched them for 17 games. I see what they are and what they are not. Guess what they are? They're a team that can go to Minnesota and dominate in all facets of the game and then come back against the Texans and look terrible and squeak by. And then they could also go over to Washington and just look like dog do. That's what they are. That's what they are. So that's what I see. So let's get into some picks. College football's over. That's sad. (laughs) College football's over. Look, I was going to make a case. I was going to make a case that Justin Herbert should be MVP. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. But I know they're going to give MVP to Patrick Mahomes probably because he's got the best stats. But what I'm going to say is, bruh, we we need to talk about what that word value means. Too many sports, they just want to give it to the best player on the best team. That's not what value is. I'm sorry. Anyway. (laughs) Let's get into some of these picks. So starting off the weekend on Saturday at 4.30 p.m., you got the Seahawks versus the 49ers. 49ers are favored by 9.5. Guess what? I'll take the points. I'll take the Seahawks and the 9.5. I think that game will be dramatically closer than 9.5. Here's why. You have two guys, right? So you have two quarterbacks. You have Geno Smith and you have Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is trying to prove that he belongs. Geno Smith is trying to prove you were all wrong about me. So going into this game, I think Brock Purdy feels like I have to do something to make them believe that like we're good. I can I can get the job done. Hey guys, I can get the job done. I can do it. You can count on me. That's Brock Purdy. Geno Smith is in there thinking, oh, I'm gonna show y'all. I'm gonna show y'all that y'all wrong about me. And that this franchise going forward, this is mine. This wasn't no fluke. It's a different energy there. I think the Seahawks keep the game close. Ultimately, I just think the 49ers defense is too good. I think they got too many weapons offensively. I think they make a play or two more than the Seahawks. And I think the 49ers win. But it's closer to 9.5. So I'm going to take the points with the Seahawks. I think they covered a 9.5. Chargers-Jaguars, 8-15 on Saturday. Look, y'all know how I feel. I'm calling it right now. The Chargers are making the Super Bowl. I know. It's going to be so tough. If they end up playing the Bengals, that I don't even know if I can watch that game. Those are like my two favorite quarterbacks in the league. Like, ugh. whoever wins that game would be the team I'm rooting for ultimately. Because, look, I already told you I don't think my team's going to win. Uh, but I think the Chargers are that team that doesn't look great. But they have the pieces. They have enough pieces to where they could put it together for just a couple games. And they could do some things. And they got that quarterback. And I think Justin Herbert is about to put on a show. I think Justin Herbert is going to pick apart that Jaguars defense. So the Chargers are favored by one and a half. Give me that. I'll take the Chargers and the one and a half. I think they win convincingly. 
I think they put the Jaguars on notice and say, nice story. We're happy for you, but get out of here. On Sunday, you got the Dolphins playing the Bills. Bills are favored by nine. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'll take the Bills to cover that nine. I, I just think the Dolphins are they're banged up. I don't think Tua plays. And even if he does, I think everything that happened with DeMar Hamlin, I think him being back home now, I think him being back in Buffalo, I think but he's probably trying like hell to see if he can even get to the game. So on the off chance that something like that happens, like, man, could you imagine the energy that's going to be there? The excitement, the 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 feel, like they're going to have so much energy. They're going to be flying around. They're going to overwhelm the Dolphins. I'll take the nine. Take the Bills and the nine. Giants and Vikings, 430. You know, last time they played, it was a close game. It was a tough game. The Giants made a nice comeback. Minnesota's favored by three. Look, Minnesota's one of those teams that can go sky high or rock bottom. The Giants are right in the middle. They're okay. Not very good. They're okay. You know, not going to impress you. I just think when it comes down to it, I think the Vikings are better. So I'll take the Vikings. I'll take them to cover the three. I just think they're better than the Giants. It's that simple. Ravens, Bengals, Sunday night. Look, I'm taking the Bengals. Uh, Joe Shiesty, in my opinion, is still, and, and, and until further notice, is the best quarterback in the NFL. I think he's had an unbelievably sneaky good year. I think it's kind of gotten overlooked a little bit, like how good they actually are. Um, They're really good, man. They are. And I think Joe Shiesty is going to get it done. Favored by seven. Yeah, the Ravens. If they have Lamar back, he's not going to be 100% Lamar. Not 100% committed. If they don't have Lamar back, hey, man, they're not going to score. So I like the Bengals to win and uh, cover the seven. And then on Monday night, you have the Cowboys and Buccaneers. Um, Dallas is favored by two and a half, which is stupid, in my opinion. Um... I, I like the I like the Buccaneers to win, man. I like the Buccaneers to win. So I'll take the Buccaneers. Uh take eat the two and a half. It don't matter. Cowboys aren't gonna win. So I'll take the Buccaneers. I just think the Cowboys just I don't think their quarterback has that has any magic. I don't think he has that thing that like Cause I, like I, I feel like the the Buccaneers going into the playoffs feel like we got Brady, so we're good. I feel like um, I feel like the Bengals feel like yo we got Joe Burrow, we good. I feel like the Bills feel like yo we got Josh Allen, we good. I feel like even someone like the Jaguars feel like yo we got Trevor Lawrence, we good. I don't feel like you. I don't feel like the Cowboys say that about Dak. I don't see people lifting Dak up. Right? Like I don't I see when things aren't going well, the receivers look like they mad at the quarterback. Everyone just seems disinterested. Like as soon as things start going bad, they just kind of be like, man, here we go. Like that's what it looks like to me. And I think if you had a quarterback that had some a little bit of magic to him, a little bit gave you that confidence, like, no, this guy's a dog, then I think you would have that. I think they love Dak Prescott. I think he's a great dude. I think he I think he says all the right things and practices the right way i just don't think he has the talent to match it so yeah we believe what you're saying but we know when you get out here it ain't gonna be that way (laughs) so i like the buccaneers to win cowboys one and done man that's it 
that's my time y'all listen i really appreciate y'all coming through appreciate y'all coming back i am back uh for anybody wondering i'm doing good off my back surgery uh recovering very well i gotta follow up on the 26th that'll be the six week mark and then i'll be good to go uh thank you for your well wishes if you wished any well i don't know i'm gonna just claim it as if you did (laughs) yo listen this was a fun episode man this episode went really long i was not expecting that but again when you've been out for a few weeks and you see the type of lunacy that i've seen and you got the type of opinions that i got that's what happens listen enjoy the playoffs this week um Listen, if you gamble, gamble responsibly. If your team is playing, good luck to you. Uh, hopefully, Cowboys fans, we can come back on Monday with something to celebrate and feel a little good about our chances. Hopefully, we get this dub. I don't think so, so my expectations are low. So, hopefully, I'm presently surprised. I'll see you guys next week. Enjoy. Enjoy.